As Steve said, last Sunday was indeed a great day here, a day of celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit. It was an exciting day, a day we'll all remember. Today is known in many places as Trinity Sunday, a day in which we reflect on the Trinity. It's, it's kind of moving from the experiential to the theoretical and the philosophical. And yet today's text is anything but philosophical. It is deeply experiential. It is a word of Jesus to his followers when they're in the midst of high anxiety because of his imminent departure. It's a word to a community of faith as much as it is to individuals. A community in transit from an established way of knowing God and of experiencing God's presence with them to a new, untested, uncertain, unprecedented way of living into the future with Jesus. Their hero, this church's founder and leader, the beloved disciple, had died. He was their connection to the past, to, to Jesus. And now with him gone, how will they keep moving forward? They had a, an established, entrenched way of being as a community, and now they were pushed out of the nest, out of easy certainties and unexamined purpose, and out of unclaimed responsibility for themselves. Now their future direction was in serious question. If this is a philosophical text, it is an existential question. The disciples here are wondering, what will become of us? How will we survive? How will we go forward in these new circumstances? Jesus speaks to the disciples from the Gospel of John. I, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. I have much more to say to you. I think this is among the most loving and hopeful statements in all the Bible. Think about it. Jesus had more that he wanted to say to his beloved friends. More that he knew they needed to hear. He wasn't finished with them yet. And nor were they done living it reminds me of the, uh, the morning that uh, Peggy and I sent our oldest son off to school for his first day of first grade. I just remember the anxiety that we had, the, the pride. We took pictures of him getting in the car in our driveway. We were living in the Atlanta area at the time, and 
It was about a five-minute drive to the school, and he was all excited and nervous and, and in new clothes, and we couldn't help but wondering, had we done our job well enough? Had we prepared him well enough? You, you know your kids' vulnerabilities and, and needs and weaknesses better than anyone, and so we just wondered, how would he do following new adult rules and meeting all those expectations? Would he find a friend? Would anyone talk to him? Would he quickly adapt to the new circumstances? How would he fare in this competitive realm of school? So, thought occurred to me, well, maybe I should just wait an hour and then go to school and check on him. You know, kind of <laughs> see how it's going. You know, that, that urge to want to stay with them, to go with them into the new situation. But no. We know that would be a disaster. It would, it, it's far better that we let go and allow them to, to face their lives as they need to. It's better that we don't go. And as Jesus said, it was better in a sense that he go away. Jesus didn't want to leave his disciples alone then or now. He wants to keep walking with us. He wants to keep helping us, guiding us, using us. And so he made a promise. He promised, I am going to send you a paracletos. A paraclete. Not a little colorful bird on your shoulder that will, you know, be amusing or, or attractive. Not a pet. The parakletos, a word that can be translated in a number of ways. Uh, many Bibles might translate this as uh, your, your advocate or helper, the intercessor or mediator, spokesperson, comforter, consoler, one who exhorts or encourages, the one who is the witness for Jesus Christ, the defender of Jesus in the world. The personal presence of Jesus within the body of Christ, among his people. Everything said about Jesus is also said about the paraclete. He comes into the world, he is sent from God, he is given as a gift by God. Sent and then ministers and speaks in the name of Jesus. It reminds me of that childhood game, Telephone, where somebody at the beginning of a line whispers something, a little message, and then it goes down the line. Just imagine if we did that from front to back in church today. We started here with Mike, and we went all around to the back and up the balcony. By the time we got to Shane up there, he would have no clue what the beginning was. But that's the connection, the connection that... Jesus is talking about here. He says, everything that, that I've heard and seen from God, I've given to you. And everything that I have, the Spirit, the paraclete, will give to you. And so it's like God spoke in creation and revealed God's self. 
And God spoke through prophets, through holy and not so holy men and women over the decades and centuries. And then finally, God spoke in Jesus himself, the word incarnate, and through apostles. Eventually, a Bible was written, and we call that also the word of God. And then the Spirit speaks as well through the word and in many and various ways. The paraclete speaks to us. It is as if we are on the receiving end of this long telephone line. Sometimes we don't always get the message right, but Jesus promises that there is this firm continuity. A couple of days ago, I watched this documentary about a flight of, uh, of airmen in World War II. Perhaps you saw it on, on TV as well. They, they crashed in a storm in the Pacific, and a number of them survived and they were floating in little individual life rafts for a couple of days before they were found. And, and a big storm came up, and they decided that to survive, they would all link their arms together so that none of them would drift away. And they rode over mountainous storms, all linked together, just gripping each other to, to exhaustion, to hold on to each other. That connection saved their lives. And so it is with the church that we have a connection from the very beginning through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, to today. I wonder what Jesus would say. He said he had a lot more to say and to teach. What do you think that would have been? Actually, we have a pretty good idea what the early church thought Jesus continued to say, we know that they felt called by God to come together, to, to pray together, to worship together, to eat together, to stay together. We know that they felt called by God to share their possessions, to give to the poor. They heard Jesus telling them to organize themselves, to care for the needy, among them, and to start loving Gentiles, and to love and see people with new eyes. They heard Jesus telling them to stand up to the culture and the powers that would resist the gospel, to go out and tell everyone they saw about the love of Christ. And they heard Jesus telling them to remember him at table when they came together. Now John's church, led by the Spirit, it was no panacea. In fact, the church had a very painful split soon after the beloved disciple died, as if the authoritative guidance of the Holy Spirit wasn't strong enough to hold them all together amidst the internal forces that would split them. Some took off in one direction, leading ultimately to some forms of heresy. Others moved in another direction, moved back into concert with the apostolic church and the authority of the apostles and their successors. 
But this was just the beginning. I have much, much more to say to you, said Jesus. But you must be able to hear it. You must take responsibility to hear it. You must tune in to discern my voice, my leading, to receive and share my comfort and encouragement. Madeleine Albright said, Leadership comes not from the sound of a commanding voice, but from the nudging of an inner voice, from our own realization that the time has come to go beyond dreaming to doing. Doc Rivers, coach of the Boston Celtics, had a halftime speech one day when the Celtics were getting thrashed at halfway through the game, and he looked at his team sternly and said, you know, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale are not walking through those doors. It's up to you now. It's up to you. And in a sense, Jesus was saying that to the church of the beloved disciple. You're in charge of your life now. You might not feel that way. I'm sure there are times when you don't feel in control at all. That all you do all day is simply to respond to the demands and needs and desires of others. That, that your little life is like a toy cork bobbing in a stormy, treacherous ocean. But there is another truth about you. You are children of God. You have the image of God in you. Therefore, you are responsible. It is easier, of course, not to be responsible, to renege, to let somebody else do it, to let someone else decide. But remember, we are not alone. Jesus has more to say to us. Is Jesus speaking to the church, to you as an individual? How does God speak to me? I think God speaks to me much the same as God speaks to you. Through nature, through the awe and wonder and beauty of our created world, through relationships, maybe in our family, in our neighborhood, people we work with, maybe complete strangers, often speak to me. Sometimes in quiet meditation, reflecting on scripture, sometimes watching the news. Often it's through my failures more than through my successes that I sense God's voice. And it's more often in random, mundane moments of my life than in the highly religious and planned moments of encounter. Jesus promised I have more to tell you. I want to talk to you. I want to guide you, empower you, 
encourage you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I have great things for you to do, but you can't do them alone. And so perhaps the greatest calling of the church is just to be connected as a branch to the vine, to be listening, to be discerning. I would say today, if you're sitting here and you're feeling distant from God, feeling it's been a long time since you've heard anything, except the cacophony of voices and noise that, we're, that we hear in our society, know that God is patient with us, patiently present, and when we are able to hear, God speaks. Jesus will tell us what we need to hear. If you're here looking for a word of encouragement or guidance, Jesus says, I have more to tell you. As you go forward in your life in whatever situation you're facing this week, I have some things to share with you. So stay together. Don't give up. Don't give in to cynicism. Take time to open your life to my voice. And then I can use you to do greater things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now let us offer to God the best of our time and talent. 